We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Rippy Writes with Brian Scott Rippy. Transcripts can be obtained by drinking a fifth of bourbon, ramming your head through some drywall, and then writing down every thought you have. What is up on a Monday? I'm Brian Scott Rippy. Thanks for tuning in to another edition of the Rippy Writes podcast. It is our Sunday baseball conversation with Colin Brister. A lot to discuss as Ole Miss was swept by Tennessee this weekend in a series that uh, really was not competitive from uh, for about 25 of the 27 innings. So we got into a lot of that, what to do about the rotation, the uh, fight or lack thereof amongst this team, uh, where this thing ranks in terms of worst regular season series Ole Miss has had in the Bianco era, and uh, a whole lot more. A lot of digest as this team is certainly still uh, figuring it out, and I think this was a uh, kind of a uh, – a telling weekend from where the team actually is up uh, compared to where uh, they will need to go to meet expectations. So anyway, a lot of stuff in there. I think you'll enjoy the conversation. Before we get to that, though, I want to remind you, the podcast brought to you by Skybox Sports Picks. Who is Skybox Sports Picks? Well, glad you asked. They're the world's best gambling handicapping website, the inventors of the Skybox Matrix Interval, an advanced modeling mechanism that has propelled Skybox to the top of the sports handicapping industry. Hopefully you use Skybox this weekend to cash in on the Sweet 16 and Elite 8 as March Madness winds down and comes to a close. Be sure to let them carry you through the Final Four and the national title game as well. They are absolutely the best in the business. You don't want to be uh, like many people out there not listening to Scott Box where the bookie's texting them today, asking them where the uh, scratch is, where they can settle up. You already got the scares. You don't want that. You want to be texting the bookie and asking where your supplementary, supplementary income is. Skybox is the best way to do that. They are the professionals. They rely on data and the Skybox Matrix Interval, not their own knowledge like uh, square, uh, squares do out there. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. They're going to have a fix package to fit your price range. NASCAR is rolling along. Um, so as I mentioned, basketball winding down, got the NBA headed towards the playoffs, all kinds of good stuff going on at Skybox. Use their promo code RIPPY, R-I-P-P-E-E, and you get 20% off any picks package. That's skyboxsportspicks.com. And then the NASCAR package, you can get 30% off using the promo code NASCAR through the end of the month. So be sure to hop on that before that offer runs out. Check them out, skyboxsportspicks.com. Podcast also brought to you by LB's University Avenue across from Kroger. Go see Greg. LB's is absolutely the best place in Mississippi in the world, for that matter, to get beat. Oxford is so lucky to have a place like LB's. Right now, if you're a Rippy Wright subscriber, that's rippywrights.substack.com. You get a free newsletter for me a couple times a week and discounted meats. Right now, it's a 16-ounce prime strip for 20 bucks and a $5 pack of sausage. Just go in there, show Greg 
or whoever that is in there at LB's Proof of Subscription, and uh, they'll get you set up. Then go find all your own favorites, all kinds of delicious cuts of meat, fresh seafood, all kinds of delicious sides, crab stuff, mushrooms, sausages. You need to go check them out. Grilling season is around the corner. Weather's getting warmer. Greg wants to make your grilling experience great. You need to go check them out. LB's University Avenue there in Oxford and the Central Mississippi location there in Gluckstadt coming in a couple of days or a couple of weeks. So be on the uh, be on the lookout for that. We'll get Greg on for a grill corner soon. All right, here is Colin Brister on Ole Miss being swept by the Tennessee Vols and where this team goes from here. All right, we now welcome on Rippy Wright's baseball correspondent, Colin Brister. We are here to uh, discuss Ole Miss's sweep or getting swept, I should say. Uh, yeah. Tennessee, Ole Miss did not sweep. Ole Miss was swept this weekend by Tennessee in a series that wasn't close. Um, I normally have some sort of lighthearted lead-in or whatever. I, I really don't. I, I don't know where to start, to be completely honest. There is so much to digest, and I'm looking forward to discussing it and kind of breaking it down with you, but there are so many places we could go with this. Um, where would you like to – you're just general thoughts on the weekend. Where would you like to start? Uh, the softball team swept Missouri this week. That's where I'd like to start. Oh, that's – congrats to them. <laughs> that's where I'd like to start. like to not talk about the occurrings at uh, Swayze Field this weekend. Um, we talked about this before we got on here. That was the most thorough butt kicking I can remember in 12 years at Swayze Field. Frankly, I can't remember anything on the road that bad just off the top of my head. Can you can you remember a, a face kicking like that on the road? Because I can't even do it on the road. No, uh, I, uh, I, I truly cannot either. There were a couple that came to mind. Uh, like, they got, they got swept at Florida in 17, but I don't – it wasn't that bad. Like, they led one of those games late. Um, and that team was – that Florida team was so much better than Ole Miss. Yeah. Was, and you knew it. I remember that was one of those games where you're like, can you get one and then maybe try to steal it? And then, honestly, there was a – I can't remember if it was this was sixteen, or what was the year they finished the year at A and M, and they needed to get a game to basically assure, assure they were hosting, and they got it, it on Sunday. Was that sixteen? Yeah. So I know that's a weird series to point out, but that A and M team was clearly so much better than Ole Miss, and it was like a. It, I just remember thinking like it was a gigantic collective exhale that Wyatt Short was able to close out that last game to avoid them getting swept because they got kind of thoroughly dominated in the other two. But th- let's be honest, we're we're just throwing out anecdotal, you know, simil- similar feeling series. This was the worst asking I have ever seen an old Miss team take um, in baseball in the entire time I've been watching this. You have a longer memory than I am. You're only like a year or two older, I would say, but you have a better recall, I would say, particularly pre like 2011 for me. Um, from my standpoint, I, I can't remember one. This this takes the cake by far. I mean, we talked about State, 19, um, South Carolina, uh, 16. State, this, is, this takes the cake, does it not? Yeah, State, 03 was really bad. Um, I think it was, it was either 01 or 03. I think it was 03. Um, yeah, it, that, 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 like, and what bothers me is, like, in all of those series that you mentioned, um, at some point, there was a little bit of fight. Yep. Like, I guess at some point, Ole Miss had a lead and they just blew it or, or whatever. Um, at no point – look, so I didn't watch on Friday night. I'll be candid there. I had, I had a baseball game I had to coach. But did you I can tell you this. Win? Did what? Did you guys win? Oh, uh, we did. 
We did. So. Okay, at least someone won on Friday. Continue. <laughs> um, Ole Miss does not win on Friday nights. Now 0-2 on Friday nights. I know that's kind of uh, thrown off because they played Thursday, Friday, Saturday last week. Whatever. Um, but, no, like, I, uh, I look at – so, in between the JV and varsity games, I go and look at my phone. I'm like, oh, Gaddis struck out Tennessee in the first. Struck out the side. How about that? So, we're going we're gonna to get rolling. Maybe we have an, uh, a pitcher's duel. And then I come back about 25 minutes later, right before we're going to throw the first pitch of the varsity game, and it's 10 to nothing. I'm like, all right, cool. Uh, and, and so, like, just to take you through my thought process, it was like I, I knew that could happen. I knew Ole Miss could get trounced in a game. I did not know that Ole Miss could not hold its own on Saturday or, frankly, Sunday. Like, we're going to get into, you know, yeah, they made it four to three. Congrats. Um, but they were dominated on Sunday, too. So, I, I did not think for a second that this team would get its face kicked in the way it did. But um, it opens up a new can of worms for sure. It was uh, – it was. I'm not going to call it embarrassing um, because, you know, there are 18 to 22-year-old kids, but it was – it was certainly a reality check. I'll call it that. I mean, it was it was embarrassing. Look, I get it. I get what you mean. They're 18 to 22-year-old kids, what have you. But, I mean, it was – let's not mince words here. It, it was embarrassing. And, you know, as we just ran through just very random series throughout the last couple of uh, – or I say last couple of years, the, pretty much in the Mike Bianco era, most of those that we named had some sort of common thread outside of the 19 team at, against State, where that team had really just gotten off into a bad way. Ole Miss wasn't that good in those other years. You know what I mean? Like, that 16 team was a regional host. You could make an argument that was one of Mike's better coaching jobs, but they get swept by South Carolina. And that was the team that went 18 and 12 because they swept themselves. Like, they swept three times. Right. That team wasn't that talented. It wasn't that good. This was different in the sense that, you know, look, I don't love the whole, well, they're the number one ranked team in the country thing, as if that actually really makes a ton of difference in the month of March, in the month of March, month of April, whenever. But this team had sky high expectations. And if you want to call them a favorite, they were the favorite going in the series and just got thoroughly dominated. Like this is different in that sense that they got absolutely skull drug for 25 of the 27 innings. And they were supposed to be, you know, by whatever arbitrary ranking the best team in the sport so that's to me what also makes this different yeah um yeah I, I think that's you know it's because I'm not I'm not letting th this team this program is not in a place where you get to claim moral victories at home on a Sunday because Hayden Dunhurst hit a three-run homer um I mean I'm happy for Hayden Dunhurst and, and you know I'm hoping he's starting to swing the bat better but I mean come on um, if, if we're talking about Ole Miss and, and moral victories of the baseball program, then we've got bigger issues than, um, than, than we realize. So I don't know. It's, it was, it was pretty, pretty sad. Um, you know, when you consider the, the crowds that were there all weekend, the place was, I, I texted you on Saturday night. It felt like a regional atmosphere. It really did. Um, it felt like a postseason game and, and Ole Miss just does not show up. I thought, I thought Jack Gordy was better than what his box score and what his numbers were going to show. I don't think the fellow calling pitches did him a whole lot of favors. I'm with uh, you there, and he did, he threw strikes. He didn't walk anyone. Yeah. He had a cut. He lost a couple of dudes when he was ahead in counts. But I thought he was okay. I think he deserves to be in the rotation next weekend. I think I he. Think so. I think. I think he's the only one. Well, I, frankly, how do you how do you bench Diamond after that? I know. 
<laughs> it's, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it. But just in terms, in terms of of looking at the rotation like next week, because I think it's it's fair. We'll get into this in a second. They have to go back to the drawing board. What is the number one constant? I think it's probably Doherty stays in it, right? Yeah. Um, look, the the rotation. So, so I told you I had an opinion on on the rotation that I wanted to get your your raw reaction to on here. Um, I'll ask it. I'll ask it this way: Who is Ole Miss's best pitcher uh, on the roster? Brandon Johnson. How many meaningful innings has Brandon Johnson thrown in SEC play? Um, depending on what you want to categorize. One. Yeah, I was about to say it, it, he threw one because they got it four to three. Is 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 Ole Miss at a point with its pitching that its best pitcher can throw one meaningful inning all weekend? Absolutely not. You know, I had a bunch of on He has to go into the rotation. I don't really think it's debatable. Like he he has to go into you. So you're, you're already there. You you you're yeah. No, I'm done. Yeah. He, he has to go into the rotation. I don't care about the day, whatever. Um. He has to be in it because, frankly, like here's the thing: um, he didn't pitch but one meaningful inning this weekend because Ole Miss was terrible. Um, but I, I think both of us, I think you'll you'll probably, I think this offense will be fine. I, I really do. So I think this offense is going to present a lot of games where you beat the hell out of somebody at some point. No, yeah, I get it. People are going to say, "Well, they suck this weekend." I get that part. I, I will have to see them suck a, a couple more weekends before I believe this offense sucks. I'm with you there. Uh, I told Chase the same thing. Bad this weekend. So, I think it will be okay, particularly when they get fully healthy. Now, look, did Kevin is Kevin Graham the reason they got slaughtered this weekend? Of no. course. But I, I, I'm with you on that point. I think they will so, beat So, at some point, they're going to beat the crap out of teams, and I think they're going to limit his opportunities to be able to close games because I think they can just beat the hell out of folks at some point. I, 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 he's got to throw meaningful innings. And the only way you can guarantee that cat throws meaningful innings is you start him in a game. I think what Riley Maddox did this weekend, what Hunter Elliott did this weekend, gives you some confidence. I don't know if you saw this, and I don't know if this has been a thing. Max Chofi was dressed out this weekend. Um, I don't know if that matters, but he did have a jersey and pants on. Chase um, has an update that he has completed the throwing program that he's on, and it is more about getting him into game shape is what Mike's right. quote was on Wednesday because, look, I'm not taking credit for this. Chase would have probably asked this anyway, but I did ask Chase on Wednesday, have we gotten a trophy update lately? And he said, no, I'll ask. And so he got the update on Wednesday and said he is – apparently Mike said he has completed the throwing program. He just needs him to get into game shape. I don't know what that means. If you're out there frustrated as to what the hell that cliche means, it makes two of us. It, you're on to something there. He's dressed so, out and he's done with whatever actual arm. What I took from that is whatever he needs to do to get his arm repaired is there. He so, is- yeah, and and so I'm I'm to the point where Brandon Johnson has to go into the rotation because frankly, I mean, here's reality for me. I don't think you can, for the benefit of your baseball team, send John Gaddis out there game one against Kentucky. Now, here's where I'll grant a little bit of leeway. Kentucky just lost their Friday night starter for the year. Um, so maybe you can. But, Is that the fifth guy in the league? Sorry, I don't mean to derail you. Is that the fifth Friday guy in the league? To be yeah. Um, Paulette, Sims, Kentucky, who else? Ted Wells down right now. Um, that's four. Am I missing one? Maybe I'm not. Maybe you're thinking, I'm th- I think you're probably thinking of Texas. 
Uh, they lost their Friday guy. That's probably what I'm thinking of. But still, four is a lot. Anyway, yeah. go ahead. That's just wild to me. So, so maybe you can trot Gaddis out on Friday night in Lexington. But I just think – I think it's to the point where, man, if you you don't move your best pitcher with the, the rotation struggles they've had, if you don't move him into the rotation, I think you're doing the disservice at this point. I'm with you 100%. So, I was – it's interesting. You're there to where it has to be Brandon Johnson. I think I'm with you on that point. So, I have a, a buddy of mine texted me on Friday night after Ole Miss lost, and he doesn't really – like, he's not a huge baseball guy per se. Like, he's not – like, he doesn't watch a ton of – like, he doesn't watch Major League Baseball at all. I'll put it to you that way. But he likes Ole Miss baseball. And so, I would just say to that point, to a guy that just likes Ole Miss baseball, that's kind of the only baseball he watches – it's, it was abundantly obvious to him. He's like, don't you have to start considering – like, consider starting Brandon Johnson? I was like, dude, you have to consider everything at this point. Brandon Johnson, whoever else. Like, there, there cannot be anything ruled out. And so, I'm with you in that standpoint because you're right. He's the best pitcher on their roster, and he is – what, we called it one meaningful SEC inning. Now, granted, it's only two weekends. Dude, you could have taken that further. How many meaningful innings has Brandon Johnson pitched this year? Period. Like total. Uh, two against Oral Roberts and then three against UCF and that's it. Fair enough. But you know, you get what I mean. Like between him and yeah. and Doherty was no. nation. like it's like oh, they're it, it, just not getting the utmost value out of them. So I think I'm with you from that standpoint of I would probably try Johnson in the rotation. I'll, I'll, I'll frame it to you this way. Do you think it happens next week? Because I think I'll lean no. Lean no. Um, I lean no as well because he he Mike did the whole thing after the game today about how he wouldn't even commit to doing Washburn in the midweek. Now, granted, they do have two midweek games this week on the schedule, right? They have North Alabama, which watch out for those, watch out for those plucky sons of bitches. But then you get the makeup game against Memphis. It's actually on their campus this time, but he wouldn't commit to that. I think that's partially him saying, "Hey, we're going back to the drawing board," but I still kind of doubt he goes to Brandon Johnson next weekend. Which, no, I don't. I don't think Mike is going to go to a guy that hasn't started again. That's where it's tough, right? Like, I don't. I think Mike's a big believer in, in that I need to let him get a start before I put him in an SEC game. Well, how do you let him get a start if he's your closer? You gonna let your closer start a midweek game? Well, what happens when he throws three innings on Sunday? How the hell is he gonna start on Tuesday? Um, but I look. Hopefully, he finds one, and and I'll give Mike Bianco um, the ability to. I'll give him at least two more weeks to try to figure out this rotation. And and because and, I do think that he's done a fairly good job over the course of his career of figuring out a rotation. Um, but if, if it's me, I, I just, I don't know how you look at it and say my best pitcher is not guaranteed to throw a meaningful inning this weekend. Um, when you, and, and so some people would say, well, that was the same case with Broadway. Well, the reality was, Ole Miss had dudes that could get it to Broadway last year. Like, how many times did they well, just they got also had a first and a second round pick in the rotation? Yeah, like they just went Nikhazy Broadway and they won the game. You know, um, it's they don't have that dude this year, so it's kind of hard pressed for me to to sit there and think that you need to hold a. It's like, and and Raleigh Maddox did a good job today, but when. Diamond got touched a little bit, they started getting Maddox up. I'm like, what? Well, why are you holding Brandon John? Like. He, he, you're going to try to get him to close a game that you may not even be able to close. Um, I don't know. It's just – it's tough for me to sit there with all the rotation issues and, and, and wonder um, – or wonder is not the right word, but it's tough for me to think that you're doing the, the best by your team if you don't let your best pitcher pitch meaningful innings. 
Yep, and this is where this whole conversation starts. And I probably should have done a little bit of better job of leading us into this. The starting pitching is really what's plaguing this team, right? Look, yes, they got dominated this weekend, but where did they get dominated? You know, they when John Gaddis left the game on Friday night, that game was all but decided. It was over. With Chase Burns throwing on Friday night the way he was throwing, and look, the Ole Miss offense wasn't good. And I'm sure there's a couple people out there listening being like, why are you not talking about the offense? The offense stunk all weekend. Of course it did. We can get to that in a second, but we, you and I have both kind of gotten – I think we're on the same page on the fact that I think the offense will probably eventually hit and they will probably eventually be okay. That doesn't excuse what they did this weekend, but if you're making me wager on, hey, which one's going to be fine and which one is just you – know, uh, completely screwed I'm going to lean toward the completely screwed camp putting the pitching in that corner where I think the offense will be fine so with all of that said the starting pitching is the overarching thing plaguing this thing team right because you can't you can't even say it's a pitching staff issue because for the most part in the bullpen they've been fine it's just been the bullpen trying to keep the game at six nothing or something, as opposed to them actually pitching meaningful high leverage innings. It's such a weird year because the starting pitching has been so bad. You haven't actually seen this bullpen in stressing taxing situations very often, right? Like they went to UCF and took two out of three and Jack Doherty didn't pitch on the weekend. We just ran through how Brandon Johnson hasn't really pitched a meaningful inning. Have you seen very many meaningful innings from Hunter Elliott, have you seen very many meaningful innings from Riley Maddox? Have you seen any meaningful innings from Mason Nichols outside of the UCF series? And I guess that goes for Hunter Elliott as well. And I just say all of that to say it's been such a strange year because the starting pitching has been so bad. It makes it difficult to evaluate your pitching staff as a whole, if that makes any sense. Like, Brandon Johnson didn't pitch a meaningful inning at Auburn last weekend. It almost won a game by, what, 10 runs and seven runs like and took a series on the road. It's just so bizarre. And I think most of, I don't want to give Mike an excuse and give him an out, but I think the whole pitching staff thing from a, just a, a, I guess, 10,000 foot view of evaluating the whole pitching staff has been made more difficult by how putrid the starting pitching has been. Does that make any sense at all? Or I sound insane. No, no, you're right. It's, I don't know, man. It's, 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 it's to the point that it's just an issue. And major issue it is the issue yeah because unless you just believe that the putrid offense is here to stay and i don't um then then the rotation is the issue frankly Miss's bullpen was not terrible this week look delusia got hit around a little bit but i thought hunter elliott was good josh mallets was okay also thought thought delusia did his job yeah he ate it and and saved the bullpen um you know it's just it is what it is. It's almost got to find dudes. And, and Mike's job is you've got to find cats that are going to get out on Friday, Saturday, and Sunday night. I, I said this, and I'm not completely – like, I, I, it was a little bit of sarcasm when I tweeted it. But, like, I would almost think that Ole Miss's best options are put Gaddis and, and Doherty on Saturday and Sunday because I don't think either of them are your Friday night guy. I really don't. Um, put them on Saturday and Sunday, whatever day, I don't care. Um, figure out, let them settle into roles and just have a revolving door on Friday night and see if you can figure out who in God's name can hold down that role. It's not the worst idea in the world and by any standpoint. And look, and so I, I, I had a couple of numbers that I was going to read, but they're kind of irrelevant at this point. Look, Ole Miss, is, Ole Miss is now six games through SEC play. Do you know how many times they've had a starter go five innings? One, Jack Gordy. 
Sunday at Auburn. Or I guess that's yeah. technically Saturday. Yeah. You get my thing. Game three. Yeah. Their Friday night guy, he's gotten 14 outs for them. In He can't. That's 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 it. You can't compete with that. I don't care. He can't. How he can't be the Friday guy next compete week in this league with that with that number being true. I mean, it's, it's he true. can't be the Friday night guy. He just can't. No, I agree. And but I thought I, maybe I can't remember if you were on the same page with me as this. But like, so I, I I agree. You made a good point a couple of weeks ago that like, yes, he's not a Friday night guy, but he's their best option right now. And I was like, you know, that's actually a really interesting way to look at it. It was right after I'd written the thing in the newsletter about how the case for Jack Doherty on Friday nights. And you're like, well, you know, Doherty kind of unproven. Like, yeah, this is the best option they have on Friday nights. I was like, that's actually an interesting Not anymore. But I also still didn't think it was fair. I don't think he's a Friday night guy. And don't you think at this point that has proven itself? And yeah, he's not. There with Gattis. He – so Mike had a quote after the game about how, well, he walked a couple guys and he struggled to locate his fastball, and that's just not him. And I'm curious. I'll say you this At on some Friday. point it is. Yeah, I was trying to say, at what point is it him? Because you yeah, make an argument, he has five outings, six outings, five starts, right? They had that game canceled to where he had to come in relief. They're definitely fastball command and locating in general has been an issue in three of them. And you could make an argument if you really wanted to be cynical about it, four. So at what point is that just who you are? I'm curious to your thoughts on what Gaddis is through six starts. He's not outings. a Friday night guy. Um and now maybe they don't have one on the roster. Frankly, the closest thing they've got to Friday night got to me is Brandon Johnson. Um, I'm with you there. Um, so I just – I don't know. I, it's, I don't know how – if you trot John Gaddis out there on Friday night next week, I, I think what you're saying is he's just by default the Friday night guy. Do you remember in 2017 when they weren't very good and, like, James McArthur pitched on Friday night but because they just he just wound up there like they had some rainouts and stuff and he just wound up being on Friday nights but everybody kind of knew he wasn't their best pitcher well, it kind of feels like it kind of feels like they're at that point no I'm with you I'm with you he, they are they so I, it's funny you mentioned James McArthur's name I was going to play a little game with you you ready I have a list of names I'm going to read for you uh-huh would how I'll get your response on this way would X guy, whoever I name, would it be Ole Miss's Friday night guy? And how, by how large of a margin would he be the best pitcher on the staff? You ready? Okay. Will Etheridge. Yes. He's... I mean, and he was a below average Friday guy. For yeah, he was, he, was a, he was a top – he was probably seven, eight, nine, maybe nine or ten. Yeah, in the but, league that year, I'd go nine. Yeah. Joe, James McArthur is my next one. They out of a James McCarthy right now. He wasn't perfect, but from what they have, yeah, he had rotation issues, but he had the stuff to put away good hitters. And here's the gauge. Here's the gauge. David Parkinson. Oh, I was gonna go. I won't say one better. That's a really good one. David. They would kill for David Parkinson. Yeah, David Parkinson be there Friday Saturday on that 15 team. They weren't any good, but he was pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I was gonna say. This one, this is a wild one. Will Stokes. Uh, that was just who I was thinking about. Um, technically, never a Friday guy. No, no, no. Uh, he, no he was never. He was a Sunday guy in 15 by default. Remember, he won that game they won at Vanderbilt when Borders yeah. Grand Slam. But he was a rotation. I say Friday guy. I probably led that question in wrong. Just rotation guys they've had in the past. Yes. Yes, he would be in this rotation because they would they would have – I think – and maybe I'm wrong. You, you covered the team in 16 – 
You remember when uh, Brady Bramlett was like struggling on Friday nights? He kind of found it and was okay. I think there was some discussion um, during that year about moving Stokes into the rotation or maybe even to Friday nights because they knew like his stuff. Now, look, some of his stuff, his velo kind of dropped at the end of his career, but in 16 and 17, he was electric. He was. And he didn't really have a fair career. Do you remember his no. career? Like, when you think of his career, like, I, you feel free to disagree. I remember Will Stokes as a guy that was asked to do a bunch of stuff that didn't fit his strengths. Yeah. No, that's fair. Yeah. So, I'll go one more. I was going to go really off the rails on this last one. Sam Smith. Uh, no, he would be in the rotation. He wouldn't be the Friday guy. But yeah, no, of course not. He'd be in the rotation. But, like, yeah. where they kind of are with this, this team, and I think that's kind of a jarring way to look at it. And I guess to kind of crystalling it back into a Friday night conversation, they would, this team would kill for a Will Etheridge. You know, I just find that to yes. be a jarring way to look at it in terms of, like, where they go and how this is going to improve. Crystallizing with Gaddis, I want to get back to the fastball command part of it because, you know, Mike said it again. He's like, that's not who he is. Well, it's like, are we sure? Because there's a difference between, you know, I, I, again, I didn't watch it. I didn't watch hardly any of Gaddis at Texas A and Corpus Christi until it was found out he's coming to Ole Miss. Don't you feel like there's a gigantic difference in whatever that league is? Forgive me for getting the name. I think it's the Southland. When you make a mistake over the middle of the plate with a fastball in the Southland, yeah. you could probably be okay. But in this league, you're going to get hit and you're going to get hit hard. And Mike kind of gave the whole, well, it was a head scratcher. He struck out the side in the first. It's like, is it really a head scratcher? Because he made mistakes and Tennessee demolished him. And I just feel like the margin for error is so much slimmer. And I'm just not sure he's up to the task to, I guess, thrive when the margin for error is that much more slim. Yeah, I think that's a really, really good way of putting it. I'll tell you this, what, uh, and, and maybe this isn't fair. It's probably not. What bothers me is that, Brian, let's, I'll ask you it this way. Sure. You're a kid, and you have the same opportunity from, and what I mean by is, is scholarship money, um, to go to, and you don't have any ties to either of these schools, uh, to Ole Miss or Tennessee to play baseball. Where would you go? Um, I mean, I would go to Ole Miss. Does it not bother you a little bit that, that Ole Miss never got in on the, the Dolander kid that was really, really, really good on Saturday? Who that that would like? I don't know how Ole Miss looked at you know they're gonna lose Gunnar Hoagland and Doug Nikhazy, and uh, they didn't get in on that kid because well, uh, for the casual listeners out there, I say casual just for listeners out there in general. I didn't mean to sound condescending. Dolander was at Georgia Southern last year and was a freshman. Yeah. Just to clear that up, he was not on Tennessee's roster last year. It's a great point you made. I didn't even think about that. Yes, how. I don't know – obviously, I don't know the inner workings of that kid's recruitment. I don't know if there's a tie there. But it's a great point. How is Ole Miss not in on the kid like that? I just and, – and, you know, this is where and, – and, and, again, this isn't fair because – but I knew it was going to happen when they had a bad weekend. Like, I saw somebody mention, you know, Jack <laughs> Moss. You remember him that's at A&M now? Yeah. He didn't go to Ole Miss, and he was – going through kind of the recruiting process when Mike was doing whatever he was doing with LSU. And people were like, well, you know, if if Mike's not interviewing with LSU, maybe we have Jack Moss here and, you know, this team's even better. And it's like, I don't know if that's particularly fair. But, man, it's at this point, fair. like, I don't know how you – like, you know, 
it's hard to stick up for Mike in that situation. You know what I mean? It, it just there's there's some glaring misses on this team right now, and and he gave them kind of the bullet last year to throw at him. Yeah, he did. I I, I can't disagree with that. So there's a number of different ways we could go from here from that. But Chase made it. I want to put include this. Chase made a good point. When so I was talking Dolander about. is not from Tennessee. I was just looking at that. He is he is a Georgia guy. I'm glad you looked that up because I was curious. I was like, is he a Tennessee guy? How did that actually work? But it's still a great point. It's – I don't want to go full-on should Ole Miss hire a pitching coach thing because I kind of roll my eyes at that yeah. notion to some degree. But at a certain point, we talked about it the other day when we were texting. It's not completely unwarranted. It, don't you think there's a lack of development going on? Look, Ole Miss is yeah, – I, I wish I, I had this. Chase, when I, I was talking to Chase as I was driving over to Fort Worth. Um earlier tonight and just kind of like rolling through some thoughts there. I hope I get this mostly correct. Their 2019 class in terms of pitchers was diamond Burton, Burton. Morell, McDaniel, McDaniel. And there's one more that I'm missing, but you get the gist of it. Are any of those guys helping them right now? Nope. Um, that's a problem. No, yeah, it is. But so it's it's a hard discussion for me. Not hard, but I guess what I mean is, should Ole Miss hire a pitching coach? It's a valid discussion. Ole Miss is not going to hire a pitching coach when Mike Bianco is here, and you know why? Because Mike Bianco is the pitching coach. Do and look, I, I think Mike. I think some of the criticism of Mike is unfair. I think some of it is fair, but I think we can both agree that. Mike Bianco is not going to fire Mike Bianco from being the pitching coach. So it's just not until he's not the head coach at Ole Miss. I don't think it's going to matter. I can I can guarantee you that. Mike Bianco is more likely to give pitching coach Mike Bianco a raise before <laughs> he would have fired himself. The other one we were missing was Kimbrell, by the way. Kimbrell was the other one. Oh, okay. Yeah, wonderful. But you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, is that a valid discussion? Yes. Does it matter? No, it doesn't. Not until he's not the head coach anymore. I mean, the other one is the, do you there's a kid named Jamison Covey in here. Does he is that real? Does he exist? Nah, that's the that's like those football players that they signed in like 2011. They were just on the end of the roster, and I have no idea who they are. I'm not sure Jamison Covey's a real person. If I'd like to see a birth certificate, but you get the point, like it's hell he probably will start next Friday for Ole Miss. Well, they're in there's so much dead weight. <laughs> Jameson Cook. Yeah. They pull him out of the sorry, I just had a decent line, but that, that killed me. <laughs> Jameson Covey will pick the red uniform next week and start Friday at Kentucky. It's like, is this kid on the team? Was he in school here? Doesn't matter. Just shh, we start on Friday. But there there's so much dead weight, and it's created this <sighs> contrast to where it's an interesting dynamic because you've mentioned this a couple of times. I think it's a good point where Mike has always figured out this pitching staff to his credit. He has always figured out a way to be adequate, but now when the stakes are as high as they've ever been and his jobs on the line, he's now facing a dynamic where the known commodities and the kids that have been in his program for two and three years can't help them. And it's like, how far off the ledge does he want to go trusting these freshmen? I believe there's a, very like I believe in the line of thought of giving freshmen more to bite off than they can chew. Right, Riley Maddox has had good success as a freshman. Hunter Elliott, while it's tapered off lately, has had decent success as a freshman. Do you really want to give them more than they can 
kind of digest in terms of their job. But at what point does that come with costing you baseball games? And I think the reason we're at the point where, where we're at is because none of these kids they've had in the program the last two years have developed. And I think that's actually the root of the problem if you want to get to it. Who's the last pitcher that's not a first or second round pick? Because I don't think that's fair. Um, that got better at Ole Miss. Brandon Johnson, I think I think that one that one's fair. Past that, I mean, I mean, Jack Doherty is 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 still too probably too young to 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 give a accurate synopsis on that. Who's the last one that you can't that came in and had a Sam Smith? Like, hey, the kid's not very good in twelve. Um, really, really good pitcher in thirteen and fourteen, or an Aaron Greenwood, um, or uh, a Josh Laxer. Josh Laxer was not good as a freshman. 2014, really, really good. Wyatt Short. Like, when we talk about Wyatt development. Short is the first name that came to mind when you asked this, by the way. Yeah, like, Does it's Gunner been a minute since they've no, gotten you, better. You said no first-round pick. Okay, so, yeah, no, you're right. So, Wyatt Short was the first one that came to mind. Do you have anyone else? I, I That's an interesting – Will Etheridge a little bit. Kind of, yeah. But, like, I, I think the fact that we're having to, you know, struggle to name some exceptions is is the problem. Taylor Broadway, yeah, we're good. We got to do that. Okay. Uh, but, yeah, but still, I mean, I, it's not an overwhelming list. Parker Caracy. <laughs> the end of the day, God bless Parker. I just think Parker still had a five ERA at Ole Miss. He would, yeah, but <laughs> he did get better, no doubt about it. Well, and also he had that. I don't think that counts from the. I, I, I'm off the field is going to make it not sound nefarious. That kid had to overcome a lot. He did. He did. And like that was – Absolutely. I don't think that necessarily counts because I don't think he was a kid that like, – he definitely wasn't a kid that sucked on the field and then got better by any stretch. So, I don't think that one counts either. But it's a great point. Like, it, And I feel – this feels stupid talking about it because, look, we all know the stakes of this season, right, and what is probably yeah. going to happen if this team doesn't really reach its expectation. So, it feels like a moot point. But – you know, if it gets to the point where this ends up the way maybe some think it's going to end up after this weekend and Mike isn't the way out, you're kind of figuring out why. You know what yeah. I mean? I mean, how many times were they a pitcher away from Omaha? If they had had one more pitcher in 19, did they make it to Omaha? One more starter. Yeah. Well, did they make and- it to Omaha last year? No, no, last year's not fair because Gunner got hurt. But how many other years has that been the case? Is 18 fair? Um, <sighs> the, the do or die? Yeah, I mean, if if – it's uh, what was his name? The ginger. Well, eight, yeah, Fowler. Fowler was actually good that night against Tennessee Tech. They didn't hit. Yeah, but where is he uh, now? And where was uh, he? And where did he go from there? That's the thing. Like, yeah, he, Fowler. You look at Fowler. He's like, yeah, he was good in eighteen. He was not part of the program two years later. And how many kids um, in the last four years in particular? Do you remember speaking of Fowler? Do you remember uh, when we were standing in in Louisville? waiting on Mike, and they were letting Fowler throw a bullpen. And, like, right before he came up to get interviewed by me and you, he just went down to the bullpen and chewed Fowler. Oh, yeah, I do remember. <laughs> and guess who caught the brunt into that afterward? Your yeah, bullpen. it was your fault that Jordan because Fowler was throwing was a bad fault. That redhead down there was slacking off. <laughs> he got after that poor kid, though. So, it, 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 it works the other way, too. And I, I will get up, we'll get to the rest of the weekend after this. Doesn't it work the other way? How many kids have kind of had some promising you – know, as a true freshman, you're like, wow, this kid. And then it just hasn't happened. Like, uh, Eric Diamond, Braden Forsyth. Yeah. 
how many how many has it been where they're early in their career and they're like wow and it just hasn't panned out now diamond look there's a lot to get into and is he fully healthy blah 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 but yeah i mean hey can i present an interesting name sure um when it kind of falls into this category ryan Rollison was worse when he left his 19 year was not good and you remember 18 but yeah 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 excuse me the 18 year and it was all like well, I remember looking into it because I didn't know any better at the time. And honestly, I was just doing my job. It's like, is this going to affect his draft stock? And every scout I talked to was like, no, this is fastball command. They'll fix that shit in two seconds in professional <laughs> baseball. But he still didn't get any better. It was worse. Yeah. Um, Brady Feigl in that same vein got, got better. But Brady Feigl was good when he got here. Um, I don't know. It's, I, I can pop off a lot of names that, got, that didn't, didn't work out more so than I can guys that did work out who weren't first and second round talents um because it's easy to say yeah gunner got better well okay like yeah he did but come on um doug is probably their their calling card for for development because when doug got here he wasn't a wasn't a drafted guy um but but they but may have been to a second round guy and, and then that's fair but i don't I'm know it's it, it, but when did doug nikhazy struggle at all this uh not really ever if i'm honest literally ever <laughs> Yeah, he had one bad outing that I can remember. Yeah. So anyway, bringing it back on track to this weekend, I do think that's a. I do think what we like the exercise we just went through is is important from the big picture standpoint. But looking at it in a crystallization of this year, so Friday simply wasn't good enough. I don't think you can trot Gaddis back out there on a Friday again. Um, but hey, we'll see. We'll kind of see what happens. Let's just go through the rest of the weekend. You know, we went – I thought Doherty, like you said, was okay. I just think they hit good pitches. He lost a couple guys, you know, two counts. And then Derek Diamond, I, do you, would you like to know the adjective that Mike described Derek Diamond as today? It'll probably make you roll your eyes. Say that again. Would you like to know the adjective Mike used to describe Derek Diamond? Um, competitor? Nope, Terrific. Terrific. What's the what what is he what does he call it like when it's a really really good college baseball game? Well, oh, yeah. it's just a great college baseball game. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And honestly, just, like, just a, this is how I spent too much time around Mike. The opponents are tremendous. His guys are terrific. <laughs> Mike has a real thing too about what when he says something, he wants to make sh- absolutely sure he is not taking credit away from the other team. Oh yeah, he's big on that. No, North Alabama had a sick lineup in 19. <laughs> anyway. But, How was he after that game? I – so, I did – I forgot. We're all over the place now, but who, who cares? I hey. sent you a, a text on Thursday. We got an email from a listener. We referenced that North Alabama game earlier in the week. How that you go – it says there are 11,000 people at that game. And I was like, I call BS. The listener uh, out there, shout out to whoever it is. I'm forgetting your name. I forget uh, – I apologize. Sent me an email and said, no – you're accurate. It was the kids' getaway team at 11 a.m. So I think between the 11,000 screaming kids in the stand and the way that game unfolded, if I remember correctly, Mike was just resigned. I think in his mind that never had happened. It never existed. No. Oh, goodness. So anyway, so I, I guess I don't even really know where to go with this because Ole Miss got their ass kicked. There's really not a way to like, go through no, this. No, like you would consider a breakdown Friday, Saturday, Sunday, but it's the same thing. Uh, just, you, they got their face kicked in all three days. How, how would you – if you were the manager of Ole Miss, we'll just go through it that way. How do you fix this? Because this weekend is what it is. De- John Gaddis, not a Friday guy, wasn't good enough. Derek Diamond, which I kind of 
to, to me, it validated today that Derek Diamond can give you something on Sunday. He gave you yeah. Jim Smith. He gave you a chance to win, which is exactly he what did. Um, Jack Doyle is okay in spots, but yeah. that's probably not going to cut it as a Saturday starter. So with all that preface, it's not. How do you fix it's it? It's not. I don't call fastballs three times in a row uh, to really good hitters from Tennessee in critical situations. That'd be the first thing I didn't do. Um, the second thing is, is I tell myself, okay. That sucked. We're not playing Tennessee again. We're playing Kentucky next week. They don't really swing it very well. Um, although they did kick the crap out of Georgia today, but still, they don't they don't swing swing it overly well. Hopefully, I can go to Kentucky and get some things fixed. What would scare me, if I'm honest, if I'm Mike Bianco, what keeps me up at night right now is not Friday and Saturday, it's Sunday, because how how does this team? full of veterans, get its face kicked in on Friday and Saturday and score zero runs through 70. That is what – look, do I believe this offense is going to be bad, you know, for, for 24 more SEC games? I don't. But the fact that, that you have those performances on Friday and Saturday and then on Sunday, it's just lethargic. And I get it, the kid on Sunday pitched really well, but, man, you've got to be able to put something together, get the crowd into it, make yourself feel good, do something. And the fact that they didn't, um, that, is, that is what would concern me. Um, because I, I think this, the really good Ole Miss teams probably don't let – like. I, I, there's been good Ole Miss teams last that, year. Do you remember what they did against Arkansas on Sunday? I know it didn't. Yeah, work. that's 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 what I'm saying. Like they will, the really good Ole Miss teams have what happened to them Friday and Saturday. Sometimes happen. Like if you remember the 18 team, and I don't know, I don't know when we talk about the 18 team, it's hard not to talk about Tennessee Tech. But they got their face kicked in against South Carolina two nights in a row. But on Sunday they went and beat South Carolina. Like that, the Sunday game is what scares me, man, because that 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 spells and that that kind of leads into some mindset stuff i think i think it's a great point and it's a great transition let's look so but before that because i want to put a bow on the rotational aspect and i know we've always we've spent almost 55 minutes on the first part of, and on this podcast talking about it but i think it's the overarching issue let's put a bow on it how do you if you're the manager of Ole miss baseball right now how do you fix this rotation fix it um i think my first answer is, is so I guess what you're asking is, what is my rotation when I roll in in Lexington next weekend? And the, the easy answer or the, the easy choice is Derek Diamond will be on Sunday. Um, I think that one's – I frankly, I think that one's pretty locked in. Like, you can tell me a lot of different other combinations for Friday and Saturday. I will be pretty surprised if Derek Diamond is not on Sunday next week. Is that, that probably fair? Yeah, no, absolutely. And the fact that it is it, – it's a twofold deal because if he's not, where else are you going to put him? He's yeah, giving no. one thing that on Sunday so far, and I get it, it's one start. He's giving you okay value. Yeah, no, I I think he he is fine on Sundays. The the Friday and Saturday role because how do you justify putting Jack Doherty on Friday if you're if you're going to take John Gaddis? I don't think you can. I mean, he's been fine, but he hadn't been what you need on Friday nights. Um. I don't know. It's frankly, if it's me, I would go Brandon Johnson, Jack Doherty, uh, Derek Diamond, and I would put John Gaddis in the bullpen, um, and and I'd roll and and I'd hope it worked out because I I would I think Jack Doherty and I think Brandon Johnson are my best two pitchers and I would get uh, especially with this lineup and and what I think is an okay bullpen I would get the most value out of out of them starting as I could. 
Fair enough. Can I throw one more theory at you? Sure. At what point, and I, I talked to, uh, to Chase about this a couple of times throughout the weekend, who that is not Brandon Johnson from a pure talent and stuff standpoint to put away good quality SEC hitters, who are you taking out of the bullpen to get through one inning and get through four or five and, or three, four, and five in someone else's lineup that's not Brandon Johnson? Who is your answer? Probably Maddox. Okay. I'm glad you went there because that's exactly who I had in mind. At what point do you just go – because I, th- I have this theory that, that – like the Derek Diamond part of it, how many times has, has there been like, okay, if he gets this out, he might could get them through the fifth or the sixth, and then it turns into four runs because he can't put away good hitters. It happened to Doherty twice. It happened in the first inning where he got two guys out. I think he allowed like an infield single or something in the first – between those and then it was double single and all of a sudden it's like well damn this guy didn't pitch that bad and it was two runs and I'm not saying Doherty is the guy that doesn't have the stuff to put away good SEC hitters but I think there's a lot of that lacking on the staff so at what point would you just go Brandon Johnson Riley Maddox because you know those guys when the margin for error is slimmest and you're up against good SEC hitting to at least give you a chance at what point would you start both of them because they're the best options you have and figure the rest of it out no, it's fair. Um, and I do wonder if, if – so it's it's kind of two conversations because I don't think Mike's in any hurry to move Brandon Johnson into the rotation. I don't think um, he to, But what do you do with, like, a guy like Maddox? Yeah. It, but and I guess what I was going to say is, like, if I do move Brandon Johnson into the rotation, I wonder if I have to move Jack Gordy back to being the closer. Um, is that the worst I, case scenario? No. I, I, think, I think Riley Maddox – so, so I will say this. I think before Riley Maddox leaves Ole Miss, he is the Friday night starter at Ole Miss. I, I do think that. I just wonder how quickly you uh, expedite that process. So, he uh, he's definitely looks the part. He, he's been really good his last two outings against Memphis and against Tennessee. Um, so, I just kind of wonder how quickly they uh, they expedite that. Did you did you say that? Today, I, I haven't seen post-game quotes that he was non-committal toward Washburn starting on Tuesday or Wednesday. That is correct. Um, now, for to be fair, I don't think I read that anywhere. I think Chase sent me a text or something about that, about how he wasn't committal to Washburn. So he clearly is just going back to the drawing board, which is which I think he should. Finally, yeah. try something. That, that, that's You can't and, – and to Mike's credit, he hasn't done that this year. You can't just keep beating your head against the same wall. Try something different and hope to God it works. And he won't. He won't. Because this is an important point to get to before we get to the mindset and the offensive aspect of it. You know, the whole stubborn Bianco doesn't do X, doesn't do Y, trying to jam the square peg into the round hole, I think is a lot of an outdated theory. Do you remember who Mike Bianco started in game three of a Super Regional last year? Taylor Broadway. And and it was something. odds of Mike Bianco doing that even just five years prior? Not very good. Exactly. He's to his credit. And I know this is probably the wrong podcast to be. Uh, yeah, the wrong weekend to do this one. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the little man wear number five on the back. But to his credit, I do think this is important. He has shown more flexibility and shown more open mindedness to do different things to figure it out. And I think it's, that matters in the case of this team because I think he's going to try whatever it takes. It's not even so. So you're right about the Broadway thing. But the thing that, that, there's there's two other examples from last postseason that make 
make it even like more uh, obvious. It's starting Derek Diamond on Friday, and it's starting Jack Doherty on Monday when they could. The other options were a lot easier to do. Right, because uh, had the kid that they, they literally drew the one of the two four seeds to where it's like, do you hold your starter for it? It's actually a question. Yeah, yeah, because I think I think they had planned for a long time to to I mean to obviously do that, um, and and they got the four seed. And I was like, shit, can we hold him? Um, it was Cedar and Grand Canyon were the two four seeds to where it's like, yeah. oh, here's where it becomes a conversation, and that would deter Mike from doing it. To his and then, but the Monday thing with Adcock. Because everybody was just like, he's going to roll Adcock out there. And he didn't. Yeah, you're right. And and so, look, I, I've got a lot of criticisms of Mike Bianco. I thought he did a very bad job on Saturday uh, calling pitches for Jack Doherty. And people are like, well, Jack can shake it. Okay, but that's not really how it works. Like, yes, he can shake him. Don't get me wrong. Like, Mike Bianco is not going to throw a fit if a, kid, if a kid shakes him. But, like, as someone that calls pitches, you've got to understand, kids view that as, like, this is what the coach thinks is the best thing to get them out. And and if I shake him, I better have a good reason. Um, and also, he yeah. might throw a fit. I, I don't. I don't know. You 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 would probably know more about that. I don't know how that they handle. Um, you know, if if kids shake, but you know, I'm not, I'm not one. I guess to say, you know, I, I have no issues criticizing Mike Bianco. I think it's unfair to say that he he's not adaptable at this point in his career. No, no, I, I think that's a great way to put, to kind of put a bow on the pitching rotation part of it. And the other side of it is. If they figure out, and I don't know how, and that's the part that kind of, I won't say scares me because that would be, I don't care that much, but from the standpoint of if they do figure out the rotation aspect of it, I think they will be fine. It's just, it's such a, you look at the cupboard and it seems so bare. Like it's like, well, like in the past, I could kind of see, okay, they could do this, this, and this, and they'll figure out and be fine. Now you're kind of really grasping at straws where you're talking about a kid that pitched at Jackson Prep last year, and I'm throwing him out there as the potential Saturday guy. Like you're you're getting you're getting kind of deep in the well. So yeah, like that's the biggest issue. Oh, go ahead. Finish. No, no, I, I was just saying, yeah, it's it's. I mean, the rotation's the fix. Um, this toughest know. test when the stakes are the highest. Like, how yeah. does he solve this puzzle when everything's on the line? Yeah, because I don't know. It's it's because. Look, he obviously knows his job's on the line. I we can sit hold, on, hold on, hold on. Have you met this man? He knew his job was on the line at fourteen. I don't know how he doesn't doesn't now. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I mean, but if someone was like, "No, he 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 got rolled back. He thinks he's it's all good. He's cool." It's like I don't I, think. Sorry, me is all I'm saying. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. Good, good. Um, I, I guess what I'm saying is like. And we can have this conversation. I think anything short of the College World Series, there is reason if he's if I'm Mike Bianco to worry. I don't know what Ole Miss is going to do. I think to to pretend that I have that insight is insane because I don't. But I do think that Mike knows this team's got to be successful in some form or fashion, or, or he's going to be in real trouble. Um, so I, I I don't think the man's just going to keep rolling the ball out there and, and, and doing nothing to try to get it figured out. I, I do think he's going to have to continue to try to do something. And, and I think he will. Another aspect of this weekend, I think that's well said by the way, but another aspect of this weekend that you hit it out a second ago and I kind of pumped the brakes on you just because I wanted to finish the rotation part of this. Ole Miss got beat. What? 12, one, 10 to three and four to three. And look, mm-hmm. you're the most chipper optimistic human being out there and you say well they should have fight today it's like well kind of they you know Hayden Dunhurst ran into one in the eighth inning and they made it into a run run game there was a lack of um 
there, I, I'm, I want to be careful in how I phrase this just because, again, is is There's a lack of screw you. There, yeah, there was a lot of fight. There was a lack of fight this weekend, and I normally kind of roll my eyes when people say things like that because it's like you think these kids don't actually care. Like You think these kids aren't actually trying, and I'm not suggesting that they aren't, but there was a – I think there was a level of softness. I'll just put it out there. People hate that word, but I think there was a level of softness that this Tennessee team exposed um, of Ole Miss. I don't – this is such an anecdotal example, but do you remember the kid for Tennessee? He went deep at least once on Friday. And to be honest, if I'd have been a little more locked into this uh, Sunday game, I'd have probably remembered this. And on Saturday, forgive me, I was watching on my phone. One of those kids for Tennessee went yard on Friday. And then he went yard again on Saturday early in the game. And he hit that thing well up into the student section, probably gave a drunk Sigma Chi a shiner. And he let Ole Miss know about it. And they were up like four nothing, five nothing at that point. And that guy didn't care. Like he wanted to let them know the next, you know, seven innings plus tomorrow were about to be hell for them. I feel like Ole Miss is lacking that. And I feel like Tennessee exposed a little bit of that. I don't know if you agree or disagree, but I hate doing the anecdotal, well, this team doesn't have any fight and because there's no actual way to prove it. But it just felt like one team had a little bit of more of that FU attitude and the other team sorely lacked it. And you could argue the home team needed it more. Hate to put this on a kid, but Ole Miss down three to one. Leatherwood leads off with a double, and and uh, Dunhurst rolls over to first, gets him to third. And it's just it's that situation. It's in the top of the I think it's in the bottom of the fifth. And Peyton Chatney has just got to put a ball in play. He and Gonzalez go for twenty four on the weekend, by the way. And Chatney goes one two three K. And it's just like that. That's and, and look, I'm not questioning Shotgate's mental toughness or anything, but that's the type of at bat that got their teeth kicked in this weekend. They had opportunities of runners at third on, on Saturday, less than two outs. Gonzalez pops up to shortstop or to third base. Um, it's that's the at bat that when man everything's gone wrong this weekend, I have got to figure out a way to hit a freaking ground ball to second base. Is it easier said than done versus 86-mile-an-hour sliders? Yes, absolutely. But that's the, that's the bat that, that, that resonated with me today. It's just like you, you have to take one of those three pitches and hit a ground ball to second base. You're the leadoff guy. You're the junior. You're the, guy, you're the spark plug for this team um, from an energy standpoint. And he just – he doesn't have a good at bat. And Gonzalez hits a ground ball on the right side, and Tennessee gets out of the end three to one. It, it just, there was no, the lack of quality at bats. And I don't know if they were pressing, if they were dominated, if they were just not focused or what. Like, I can't answer that without being in the dugout. But there was, there was a lack of uh, urgency. And there was, there was a lack of quality at bats. On Saturday, I was really, really frustrated. Um, I, Saturday was probably one of the more frustrated Ole Miss games I've ever – in any sport. Because for 22 years, look, Mike Bianco's got a lot of flaws. And he's done a lot of good things. So, so let me make that clear too. But um, for 22 years, they, they've never gotten dominated by velocity. I, I can't recall velocity being the reason that they got beat. They got their ass kicked on Saturday because of a fastball. And, and that that was the part that was really really frustrating for me. And it was not the fat. It was not. It was not even the highest velocity kid that Tennessee had thrown on the weekend. No, 
Like, no. I get it. You, we talked about this a couple of times. You made the good point on the Thursday show that Ole Miss doesn't really get rattled or dominated by velocity. And, look, that Chase Burns – and the game had gone so sideways early in the game. The fact that they got dominated by Chase Burns hitting 90 – No, I'm not worried about that. It's like, okay, look, bad night, whatever. But this – look, I get freshman All-American, but Dollander was 92 to 95. Did he hit anything above 95? Yeah, he had a 96, 97, but it was sparingly. But he walked one, struck out 10, and they got three hits in six and third. They were dominated by a pretty – I won't say average SEC arm, but that's that you're going to see that no matter how down the pitching is in the league a couple more times. And in a better SEC in terms of pitching standpoint, you'd see that six, seven more times throughout the course yeah. of the year, maybe even more than that. I agree with you. That part of it was concerning and, you know, kind of speaks to the some of the lethargicness that this team played. I just – I know the first inning went awry for them, and they get – give up two runs to where it looked like Doherty was going to get out of the inning without any damage. Then you give another one in the third, but how, how, when you're down like three, nothing, I guess, and you kind of have a chance to kind of get your footing and get back into the game. Like, how is there not, do you not just as a tough offense kind of scratch across the run and get it to three, two, yep. like you know, what yep. I mean? nothing before anything else. And almost didn't really scare anything. I just, there was a lack of, resiliency and a lack of fight and I again I keep saying those as they're just buzzwords and I can't tangibly quantify them but it was clearly evident there just was no was there any moment as good as we thought this old Miss's offense has been throughout the year was there any moment at any point during that Saturday game we're like all right they're about to climb out of this no I didn't know no um you know Otterman and, and Leatherwood get on on the errors and it's like okay um and Leatherwood hit – or, excuse me, uh, Dunhurst barely missed the ball. That, that if he gets yeah. a half centimeter up on, um, the game's 3-3. Three, three. But, you know, um, after Dunhurst flies out and Gonzalez, you know, has a, has a bat at bat that ends with the infield pop-up, it's like, you know, they're probably not going to score. They don't. Um, and then at that point, the game was essentially over because they never really threatened again when the game was in reach. Um, it was – it's tough offensively, and look, like we've said, I don't think from an actual, like, what this offense is going to produce, um, I don't think I'm worried about them yet at all. I'm not there um, yet either. The keyword yet. But it does – what concerns me is just from a team standpoint, like, something bad happened, and they they didn't really punch back, you know. that That's, that's the part that would concern me. Um, because we'll say it like this. Uh, when this team got punched last year, when something bad happened, like what, who was usually on the mound the next day? Douglas Nikhazy. Yeah, he went there this weekend. Um, and I think this is the first weekend where, like, yeah, I, I tweeted this. You look up and you're like, yeah, I'd really love to have Doug. But, man, on Saturday when it was 1-0 and you played like crap and you got you to gotta face Dolander, um, and if Doug Nikhazy is on the Ole Miss Rebel Saturday, they win. Like, I don't, you know. It's not for Doug. The lack of fight that we're talking about. Do you remember what a different energy that team played with when 26 took the mound last year? Yeah. They yeah. looked like a different team. And they were good on other nights, don't get me wrong. But that team, and maybe it's just the – do you think there's anything to the fact of – and I'm not making excuses for them by, by any stretch – do you think there's anything to the fact that they just don't feel confident that they're going to go up and put up a zero when they take the field each time? Do you think there's some of that? It doesn't excuse it, but, like, that team played with a different confidence, and it went beyond Nikhazy. He 
he kind of infiltrated that in them. He injected them with the injection of confidence that they really needed at times last year, and he delivered every time. They don't have any of that this year. Well, I mean, yeah, because, yeah, it permeates throughout the entire team when the guy on the mound is just going to go kick the crap out of whoever's out there and get you back in a series. Because let's let's be real, like, they 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 played in Tucson that night. Was there any doubt in your mind that he was about to send it to a game three? Nope, that was going game three, and it was the biggest struggle of his career. Do you remember him getting through five innings? There was that one point after the third inning. He was like, what the hell? And he just kind of shrugged his shoulders and was like, what do I – these guys want to stop fouling off pitches? But no matter what, he got them there every single time. And they just don't have that dude. And I think you've got to – like, part of that is got to have that dude on the mound. Um, but look, like, it's not just a, a – a, Mississippi State had a guy like that two years ago. And Jake Mangum, where, you know, if when all hell breaks loose, that guy, that guy's going to be the guy that holds it together. And for whatever reason, it just doesn't feel like Ole Miss has that guy on this year's team. Um, I'm glad you went Or there. they didn't this weekend if they did. I'm glad you went there with Mangum because it goes beyond that. Despite you not having a pitcher on the mound that you're supremely confident in in game two, it goes beyond that from the standpoint of – so last year Ole Miss – well, loses the Friday night game you in Starkville in a game you or was that Thursday? It doesn't matter. It was, it was Friday, yeah. That, that you 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 know you felt like they kind of let that one get away. Doug throws an absolute gym. He threw the one hitter through what? Yeah, sort of the complete game. He threw a th- full game, yeah. Yeah, and and he gets them back. But I remember distinctly, I was listening to Haydad and at the time, I guess it was Joel Coleman. It's now Robbie Falk on the Thunder and Lightning podcast. My former employer at Super Talk. Um. There was a note in the post game, and I can't remember if it was Rowdy Jordan or Tanner Allen. It was one of the older state players, and the series was tied one to one. And one of the older state players told the media that afternoon after Ole Miss melted down on the Sunday game that Jake Mangum texted a bunch of them and said, "Hey, we don't lose to that school. Like, you know what's at stake today? We don't lose to them." And I'm not, I'm not trying to t- turn this into like an egg bowl pissing match and get into the little brother mentality and all that stuff. But Jake Mangum is still affecting their program when he no longer had any eligibility. Like, and I guess the, to use that example, who in the Ole Miss – and again, I'm not in the locker room. I'm not in the dugout. I yeah. don't, but who is getting Ole Miss together after they lose two in a row like that or after they, they're down five to nothing or six to nothing in the fourth inning on Saturday and saying, hey, this shit is unacceptable. We need to turn this around. None of that happened as far as I could see. Was there any – well, I know that's – kind of cliche and corny and does it actually mean anything but that mindset I think matters on a baseball team in particular they don't have it so I can name the guys that do it on the last three teams um Doug McKenzie last year and and Cooper Johnson in 2019 and Nick Fortes in 2018 you know um who's doing that I don't know I think I think the I think the guy that the, the quote that after the Saturday game that basically just said, Yeah, this this can't fly. Um, Hayden Dunhurst feels like he wants to be that guy. Um, you know, which that, that may just be a catcher thing. Um, but at some point, yeah, it, it just and look, this is we're speaking, um, and we can't quite like you said, we can't quantify this and we can't put like a tangible finger on it. But this is it not just, they got swept on its own, but it's no, 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 no. I'm not no, but it just bothered me that on Sunday, after you got your teeth kicked in, you went seven innings and you didn't score a run. Um, it's that really, really good Ole Miss teams in the past would not have allowed that to happen. I'll just put it that way. 
Can I give you a candidate who who the guy might be? I don't know if you've seen some of the – did you see the Brandon Johnson quote today? Yeah, he was pissed. So, can we call this <laughs> – Hey, maybe maybe that's why you put him into the rotation. Can we call this quote gate? I always love – so, Scott Van Pelt is all this – Okay, so I, I just want to give some context with that. Um, I didn't know about these quotes on Friday night. I just saw that Ole Miss got their teeth kicked in. But I had a pretty good night because we won a pretty big game. And so, I just went on to sleep. And I woke up in the morning and I saw the box score. I'm like, oh, that's not that's not good. And then I read that those those, those quotes and I was livid. <laughs> I said that say, was that was so bad. You know, can we call this quote gate? Because uh, Scott Van Pelt always does a great segment. He's like, hey, why do we call every scandal gate? Like the reason Watergate <laughs> is called Watergate because Watergate's the name of a hotel. Why do we do this? Yeah. The strange yeah. Anyway, I'm calling it quote gate. Are you ready for this? We'll sure, print, sure, sure, sure. We're print the shirts. So Friday night. After they lose, um, I believe my guy Nick Suss had this out. He said some brutally honest quotes from women's players after a loss. Um, Tim Elko, you ready for this? Oh, this is after the Friday. This was bad. This was this was very bad. And I'm curious, and I think this matters from the dynamic that we're talking about. You ready for this? I'm reading from Tim Elko. He came out, and his stuff was really good, and we just weren't ready. That's Tim Elko talking about Chase Burns. That's up until that point. That's fair. Yeah, you probably should have stopped talking there, but hey. I think we were a little flat-footed from the start. We didn't okay. come out with that fire under us like they did. Hats off to him. He pitched a great game. But we have to be better all around. I think we just came out and expected it to be us rolling over them. Okay, one, I'm not sure why you would expect that. That's me interjecting. Anyway, I'll finish the quote. We didn't. They're a really good team. We have to come – we've got to come out with fire more than we did today. You thought you were just going to roll over. But just your thoughts. You thought you were just going to roll over the 21 and one team that was in the College World Series last year. (laughs) Come on, man. Yeah, what? I don't understand that. Why would you think that? Yeah, you thought they were going to come in here and you were going to, like, I guess maybe because they've always just kind of beat Tennessee. But, you know, last time they played Tennessee, they lost two or three teams. So. Or uh, how did this kind of beat everyone for the most part? Look, and, now we we spent have real problems, and then now we spent an hour real problems. Does that make sense? Oh yeah, for sure. I will say this: we spent an hour and ten minutes criticizing Ole Miss. I, I do want to make something very clear: Tennessee, uh, Tennessee is the best team in the country, bar by far. Yeah, it's not even close. Look. The people came in to tune in. Like this, or this episode reminds me of the the Sunday show we did after Starkville last year. To, to no, last I, w- I was I was more pissed that because this that part of the reason I told you I wanted to go at eight thirty because if you had got me on here at five thirty, I'd have said some things I regretted. Well, I was that, that that one was so bad because we recorded like the second the last pitch was thrown. Well, the rant you had after the 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 the, uh, the Josh Mallett's thing after. Uh, after uh, the state game, probably deserves you an ownership stake if anyone ever actually wants to buy whatever this Rippy Rice thing is going. <laughs> but that's what the people want to hear. I was going to get to that. The Tennessee is very good. But, but thinking with the quote, so um, Dylan Delusia, so he had a quote afterward too. Part is what's interesting to me. Starts off the quote We took them lightly. It won't happen again. We will win tomorrow. Spoiler alert, pal, that didn't happen. Um, I'll tell you that it's one of those things where they, this is what gets weird. You ready for this part? Did you see this by the way? Yeah. Okay. It's one of those things where they play in a small field. We have a bigger field. 
So we thought we could throw it into them, it inside is what he's talking about. It didn't work out. We missed some spots, and that's why they ended up hitting the homer. Tomorrow will be a lot better. This quote is so interesting to me from a number of different reasons because do you know, unless I'm missing something, do you know who has never set foot inside Tennessee's ballpark? Dylan Belusha. That that is correct. So where do you think he would have gotten such information? I would guess the coaching staff. And the scouting report. And you get your face kicked in 12 to 1, and you're talking about how, well, we thought we could pitch in because it's a smaller ballpark. Whoops. Like, what? (laughs) What did you make of this? I I honestly still don't know what I make of it two days later. I I have no idea. But I I know this. If the message – well, first off, thank God, I will say this, thank God they didn't overlook them on Saturday or Sunday or we might still be there. Um, but Tennessee might have scored 80. But it's, it, it, that, that was the worst part of the weekend. I mean, how do you, on a Friday night, after you, you get your teeth kicked in, come out and say that you overlooked by whatever poll, a top five team in the country? Like, what? Like, how good did you think you were? You lost a game 19 to 5 last week. What are we talking about? You overlooked some. How? You can't overlook Missouri in this league. Preach um, it. Here's the thing they and didn't the overlook. The arrogance is unwarranted. They haven't done anything. It reminds no. me that Boston Celtics team the first year Kyrie joined. And I, I hate to go all NBA, but trust me, I have a point with this. To where do you remember that Kyrie joined that team and it was like, oh man, is this team going to challenge you know the Kevin Durant Golden State Warriors? That team went like seven games over 500 in the regular season. And the narrative between them was like, well, they'll just figure out when it gets to the playoffs. It's like, how you haven't accomplished anything? This that, that team it reminded me. It's like, why are you carrying yourself with that such arrogance? You haven't done anything. Yeah. But here's the thing. You know how I could like, explain? Oh, sorry, not to interrupt you. If they were in Starkville, Mississippi, and they were defending national champions, and if one of them said something about maybe overlooking someone, I'd be like, okay, that's not a great look, but okay. This team hasn't done anything. No. I, and so here, here's where um, – here's my thing. Like, how, do, how, do, how does a guy like Tim Elko and a guy like Dylan Belusha right after, you know, that game – both kind of say it, and, and you may disagree with me here, but they both kind of said the same thing, right? It like, start, the, the, both the quotes start off the same. I mean, Tim Elko said it later in the quote, we took them lightly. But then Dylan DeLucia, everyone got hung up on the small ballpark part of it, and it's like, well, what did he mean by that? It's like, who gives a shit what he meant? Look what he said in the first sentence. We took them lightly. Yeah, they said two versions of the same thing. Dylan DeLucia made a tactical excuse about their game plan to pitching to them. But it was the same thing. It, it, he so, the same so where thing. did where did they get that from? I have no earthly idea. That to me is a team that thinks their you know what doesn't stink, and got popped in the mouth. Like did it? it I, I, you what did you just ask? Where did they get that from? Isn't that but like the, in terms if you're talking about the mindset, isn't that part of the problem? What what where would you find like you hadn't beaten a ranked team yet? You took two or three from UCF. You were kind of fortunate to do that. Where would that confidence come from? And look, there's a difference between confidence and arrogance, and I probably just use yeah. But that borders on arrogance, and it's completely unwarranted. Yeah. Um, 
I don't know. That was – and I can tell you this. I can tell you this. That pissed Tennessee off. Oh, dude, you could see it the whole weekend. They were ready to abs- – they were not here to beat Ole Miss. They were ready to beat Ole Miss and shove it up their ass. Yeah, that – that look, I'm not one to, to – honestly, I, I'm not a big billboard material guy. But when you give a team that already plays with a little bit of edge kind – of, t- Tennessee's kind of frisky now. Give that team something to get pissed off about. Like, ooh, good Lord. Um, and they were pissed off. And you know who Tennessee embodies? Vanderbilt. Oh, their head coach. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, 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 but they play like the hair is on fire. And Ole Miss needs more of that. It's, it's what State had in the past. It's what Vanderbilt had. And, like, people don't like Vanderbilt. But, you know, aside from the 90 billion scholarship, that mindset is part of why they win. And so I was just fascinated by that. And the last part of the whole quote, Gate, if we'll get to it, Brandon Johnson, unprompted. as, as, as Love this, by the way. According to Chase, said – so apparently Brand, he talked to, they talked to Brandon Johnson after the game, and he just said, I would like to say this. Our teammates said some words that weren't exactly right. That's a really good team over there, and we respect them. Obviously, we think they are the best team in the country. They showed that. We have all the respect in the world for them, and we never took them lightly or anything like that. So to kind of bring this entire conversation to, um, I would say, an apex or a finishing point, that I enjoyed that part of it. I thought that was important. I think the fact that a guy like that – and look, you've, this I would say this particularly means something if you've sat in a um, – I'd say a college media scrum where those guys are trained to say nothing and to basically just not trip over themselves for him to kind of take the mic in that setting, the proverbial mic and say, Hey, I'd just like to get something out there. I think that matters. What do you think? It was like when we talked about dudes that, uh, you know, would, would, would kind of, you know, be the, be the guy that, that showed some fight, some, some leadership that that guy may be the one taking, taking the bull by the horns from that aspect. Oh yeah, and that, and you know I, I feel like we're overanalyzing it some, but I don't think I think that's important. And to to, to use a stupid example, remember when we got asked the bar fight question last week, which we should both obviously probably retire from podcasting for not. Yeah, alone. that was just a complete oversight by us. But I kind of made the point of like Brandon Johnson kind of looks like a crazy mf'er in the best way possible. You know what I mean? And I was like, yeah. that's like the guy that would probably crack the beer bottle over the side of the. Uh, table and just be like what's up I'm here like I will stab you um in a much lesser degree his body language with the way he pitches and I've been gone from the program it was I've never interviewed Brandon Johnson I don't know what he's like from a controlled media setting or even what he sounds like but the body language kind of matches what he said afterward and I think that matters and you know you talk about a team that needed need the Doug Nikhazy type tour they have an injection guy on the mound behind them doesn't that feel like that might start with Brandon Johnson becoming a member of the rotation? I think that would that would, yeah. I think that would be a wise move. It's um, yeah. He he feels like a guy that that's kind of stepped up from a leadership standpoint. Look, I think that from a leadership standpoint, the the guy that you obviously look at is twenty five. Um, which from a statistical standpoint, um, frankly, had a decent weekend, but. Unfortunately, the two balls that he hit 600 feet were were kind of irrelevant to the to, to winning or losing the game, um, you know. But I don't know. And look, as someone that that loves Tim Elko, um, 
he doesn't and, and he may disagree with me here he doesn't strike me as the guy that's like you know rah-rah fiery and, and will get in your face when he, he kind of feels like that guy that kind of leads by problem. example which you which you need obviously but you also need somebody that will crawl your ass when you need it too no, I'm with you. I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't pretend to know Tim Elko, but he does not seem like a guy that will absolutely just get after your ass when things are going red. Like, like Drew Pomerantz is the guy that, you know, when they don't score a run against Western Kentucky on a Monday night in a regional, he's throwing bats and gloves at folks and, like, could y'all get me a freaking run? I was going to say, like, like I, I, literally at folks. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and I love Tim, but and, and there's a, a, a valuable – valuable place for people that just lead by example and I, and I think he's more of that type but there's also a need for somebody to to when the first two games happen to stand up and say hey this crap cannot continue to happen um and for Ole Miss look uh, you know uh, a guy that, that wore 26 had filled those roles the past two years uh, or three years really and and he's no longer there so it kind of you know we talk about having some newness in the rotations kind of some newness from a leadership perspective too Oh, 100%. I think that's a great way to put it. And the last thing before we get to a couple other offensive notes, look around the league and get out of here. Um, do you put any stock into the fact that so we talked about, like, you know, maybe Brandon Johnson being able to become that person for Ole Miss baseball? And I'm not – again, this is all just, just projecting off of what we see, just like anyone else listening to this podcast. You, you would know this answer better than I could because you coach baseball and you've been around a hell of a lot more baseball teams and on baseball teams than I have. Do you put any stock into the fact of him being able to be that guy as the Friday night guy or as a member of the rotation versus a closer that where he's not even guaranteed to pitch on the weekend? Does that make any sense at all? The fact that he's having a larger role and he's spending more time on the field and, you know, in a sheer production sense, being more of a contributor to the team, do you put any stock to the fact that him being able to assimilate to that role that clearly Ole Miss needs, it would be more conducive that he's, he's kind of like the anchor of the pitching staff versus the closer? Is that a crazy yes. theory? No, that is not a crazy theory. Um, I think he would be perfectly fine. Um, and and it, this kind of gets back into the baseball, just, you know, from a tactical standpoint, part of this. I think he would be perfectly fine to serve that role as the closer. Um, if he were closing games on a regular basis. Yeah, right. But he's not. I think – I don't think the current role allows him to uh, to maybe be that guy. Look, I mean, if he was if he was your Friday night guy, you know, and, and he's got, you know, the, this attitude that, that, that screw you, I'm better than you, you know, that permeates through, throughout your entire team. You said it, like – when 26 took the mound last year, man, it was – They like, knew they were going to win. They said it as much throughout the year. Yeah, they just – everyone there knew they were going to win. And I just – it's at the point now, man, when, when Ole Miss takes the mound with somebody, they need to believe behind them, hey, we're going to get this done. And, and to me, maybe I'm crazy. It just kind of feels like Brandon Johnson maybe that guy. We'll see. Um, and, and, look, two weekends in, it's, it's hard to make, you know, declarations um for certain but it just kind of feels like you know he hasn't thrown a whole lot of meaningful pitches over the past two sec series and you know when you talk about you know losing losing a guy from a, not just a pitching perspective but a leadership perspective and doug and and, and people possibly filling that role it, it just kind of feels like the easy move into the rotation would be him um but you know it's uh it's easier said than done so i don't know uh, but yeah, I'm I'm with you. I think you know to 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 serve in that role from a, from a leadership standpoint, it probably would be more beneficial if he was filling one of those three spots on the weekend for sure. 
One last pitching note. Do you know who pitched a score with ninth on Saturday? Josh Mallets. I was listening to the radio. I was coming home. I we someone got it I, might be Tom. I think I mentioned this on the last show. Someone got upset with us, so it's like kind of being sarcastic on the message board. Like maybe you guys will stop crushing him for not being awesome as a freshman. As I'll reiterate, it's not about him. Yeah, it's about it's about it's about five in the dugout, repeatedly trying to put that kid out there, and he's clearly struggling. I'm just curious. I I wrote about this on Tuesday in the newsletter. He was their midweek starter last year, and he. Right, I, I, I will say this: I expect him to start a game on Tuesday or Wednesday. Ooh, I like that. I'm glad you went there because that's where I was going next. I'm I'm glad you said that. It, look, man, at a certain point, 93, 94, locating both sides of the plate and actually throwing a breaking ball over the plate is what this team lacks. I'll say this too: um, that gets anyone I, out. Yeah, so that's why I knew Riley well, Maddox would be good. You know what I mean? We saw right. that opening weekend. It was like that will get anyone out. Um, Brad Henderson mentioned this. I'm pretty sure, and, and don't crucify me if I'm wrong on this, but um, I'm listening to the radio going home, and apparently Henderson, I'm 95% sure, mentioned that Mallets had dealt with some illness stuff during the first part of the year, and that's why he hadn't pitched as much. So it may not be that, that Mike doesn't believe in the kid. He may just be trying to get him into game shape. Um, I think with the non-committal answer to Jack Washburn, I I think there's a very real chance he starts on Tuesday or Wednesday. Get that kid a vaccine and put him on Saturday night. <laughs> but no, I well, think like I know we're, we we've you know cracked some jokes about about you know Mike going to him and Starkville and everything, but try anything, I, and I mean that genuinely. They're outside of starting Derek Diamond on Friday night and maybe John Gaddis again on Friday night. I'm up like you could do what ever you want to do on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and I'm willing to try it. Because at this point, just try stuff. I think that's a, an absolutely terrific way to put it. I, I know this sounds nuts, and someone will probably drive off the road listening to this, but like, if Mike, if you got the lineup card on Friday night, and um, or sorry, if he sends out the, the, the media notes, and it's Brandon Johnson, Josh Mao, it's Jack Doherty, are you upset? Or, What'd you say? Or, no, I mean, I'd be like, whatever, it's fine. I don't care. Just try something and just credit he has. You know, I keep pointing out this to people. At this point last year, Jack Doherty didn't exist. Brandon Johnson no, really exist. You know, we saw no. him in Texas and it was like, hey, why is this guy not used more? But he didn't really exist. So there is time. And I think that's a good transition to what I was going to kind of put a bow on this whole series. And, you know, we, we did the whole everything that's wrong with Ole Miss. Tennessee is very, very good. Yes. Um, Chase had a theory earlier, not a theory. He said, look, if they get their actual Friday night got back in Tidwell, is there a ch-? he was like, is there a chance that they're one of the better teams in college baseball in the last four or five years? And, you know, yes. early Mar- it's late March, but I, w- I wouldn't – I didn't find that crazy at all. I was like, no, there's certainly a chance. They are really, really, really good, and they smacked an inferior team in the mouth. Don't, don't, don't get it twisted. But at the same time, Ole Miss is two and four in the league. It's early in the year. Tennessee is very, very good. And with all we talked about with the problems that are wrong with this team, this is a team they face that is firing on all cylinders. What did you think of the Vols just as a whole? Uh, They're the best team in the country. I sent this in a group message uh, with Ole Miss fans. I think they're the team that challenges 2013 Vanderbilt um, from a win-loss perspective. I, 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 I think they're that good. Let me be very, very clear on something. Um, Ole Miss – 
could have played well this weekend. I'll say it like this. If Ole Miss had played well this weekend, they still would have lost two. Yep. No, I'm with you. And it, but exactly. It's, it's not just that we – and it goes back to what we talked about at the beginning of the show. It's not that just that they got swept. It's how they got swept. They got punked. They did. And I think you're right. I think if Ole Miss had played well this weekend, they probably still lost two. But the fact that they ran into kind of this buzzsaw and looked non-competitive doing it is why it made it look like one of the worst weekends of baseball probably any fan listening to this has seen at Swayze Field maybe ever. Yeah, it was it was rough, man. It was – and so we, we talk about, you know, the, the Sunday game, right? Like, hey, they didn't, they didn't bounce back. They didn't show any fight. Man, this week – and I know we'll have the preview show uh, later this week, but – this week, this week tells me a lot, right? Oh, um, Kentucky, Kentucky's a team that just lost their Friday guy. I know they won the series at home versus Georgia. Um, I don't think Kentucky, Kentucky's an over, overly great team. I think they're, you know, a two or a three seed in a regional. This is a series that you have to win. There is there, there's no way around it. If you leave Kentucky with less than two wins, um, the panic button gets hit. It's 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 not over at that point, but it's it's pretty freaking close, I would think. Let's just go through it. If you leave Kentucky with one win, you're coming to an Alabama team that was what four pitches away from probably sweeping state, but lost the series. Is that fair? Yeah, um, I think I think they would win that series at home, five and seven, and then you're going to Carolina. Oh, it's you know what Carolina did this weekend. Yeah, they took two from Vanderbilt. You can't win at Kentucky. I don't really know how you're going to win at win Carolina. Do you uh, know what comes next after that? Yeah, so that, that that's two series losses in a row because they ain't beat State since Vietnam. State and then at Arkansas. Who, buddy? You better win two. And I think they will. I do. I, I think they will. Um, I'm kind of with you. I, I think they will. But, man, you got to. It kind of feels like a must-win series in March because uh, – you know, look, we talk about the 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 soft east schedule that they have, and and we, they do. I mean, from a Kentucky, Missouri, um, and somebody else, South Carolina perspective. I mean, it's not Florida, it's not Vanderbilt, it's and and I think Georgia is probably better than those three teams. Um, but like some of that gets muddied up when you get your tails swept at home. So, um, you, you know, last it's, night they can lose the series to Tennessee, but sweeping them is putting them in a very precarious position for it being so early in the year. And I thought you were dead on with that because here we sit. Yeah, it's a uh, look. I mean, you can you can negate it. You go sweep Kentucky, and all's right with the world. Because I'll be honest, if you had offered me five and four um, through nine, I probably would have took it when I considered how good Tennessee was. You know, hey, you're gonna, you know win two series and lose one. We're talking about two road series and one home series. So you can negate this uh, real quickly, but you know, anything outside of two next weekend and, and it's just like, you're not talking about hosting a regional um, at three and six and SEC. So um, got to play better. I mean, that, that, that part's obvious and, and you, you'll find out a lot about the character and, and some mental toughness stuff with this team. It's easy to it's easy for me to sit there and say I, I, I didn't like there wasn't any fight on Sunday. Um, but, you know, the, the good thing about baseball is four days later you're going to go play another SEC game. Um, and, and, and if they play well there, um, I think they'll be well on their way to, you know, getting the metrics where they need to be. Um, so it's – 
I don't know. This weekend was tough, but I, I do think this. I think the Ole Miss fans writing the season off, I, I will say I, I kind of think that one's a little early. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's a good – that's where I was kind of trying to go next. Man, we are getting into midseason form. You're finished <laughs> thoughts here. Uh, so, do you remember what happened to the Mississippi State Bulldogs last year, the second weekend of SEC play? Maybe- I do. And, and, and I'll present you one more. They, they, they got swept at Arkansas. What about the 2016 Rebels that, that won a series at Tennessee, um, came home and got swept by Carolina, and then went to Starkville and lost the series and were three and six? leaving Starkville, Mississippi? I believe you're correct on that. I actually have this pulled up to double-check. They were – so they and back into series – they get back into series at Tennessee. They get swept by South Carolina. So they are three and six. Yeah, you're correct on that. Yeah. So and, – and I believe that team turned out okay from a regular season standpoint. Well, do you know so what they it, did the next week? Uh, who did they play? And I can tell you. They – Arkansas. They swept Arkansas because Arkansas was terrible that year. Yes, they did. And to be their credit, Arkansas turned out bad. But the uh, the mighty Razorbacks were uh, ranked number twenty in the country when they came in that year. Yeah, almost kicked the crap out of them that weekend, if I'm not mistaken. They did, and they had three sweeps that year. Is what propelled them. They swept uh, Auburn, they swept Kentucky, and they swept uh, Arkansas. Arkansas. That got them to eighteen and twelve. But you're right; like there is time to figure this out, and that's the other part of it. Of like, I guess, kind of bringing all this to a close before we look around the SEC is like. Yes, is it bad? Yes, this weekend was very bad, but there is still a lot of time. And I think when you have an offense that we think will hit, again, I'm not necessarily worried about the offense yet. It was a bad weekend all around. They just had a bad non-competitive weekend. I guess you could say it happens. Maybe the contrarian would say, no, it's not. They're not that good of an offense. But I think they will hit at a level that will allow them to have a chance to win games, even just average pitching. They have opportunities and time to figure this out because – they're not even bad in the bullpen, which is what we hit we hit on earlier. If they can find – I hate to put an over-under on it, and this is going to sound weird. A starter and a half plus diamond? Yeah. Probably well, they really think, one constant and then go from there. So, I think, I think this. I think if you can find the Friday night guy, you'll be okay. Because I think if you can find the dude that goes out there on Friday night and gives you a shot, I think they have enough – in the rotation to be okay on Saturday and Sunday, regardless of what human being it is. And how um, is that anyone other than Brandon Johnson at this? I point? don't know. I mean, unless Who's there's one other option that comes to not mind. Brandon Johnson. I'm curious to get your answer on this. Do what now? Most likely Friday candidate Johnson removed. Riley Maddox. I think I'm, I'm with you. And yeah, why, I, why did you answer that way? Um, because I don't see anybody else from a stuff perspective ready to fill that role. Which is a hell of a place to be. No, I'm, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think their best chance is Diamond. Excuse me, uh, Maddox and Johnson. You get Doherty on Saturday, and then Diamond on Sunday, right? I mean, look, yes, Saturday sucked, but they could win series with with Jack uh, Doherty. Yes, Saturday, Easy. Yeah. And, and not everybody's going to be Tennessee, man. You know. You could argue like, that's going to be Tennessee. And that's good. the interesting part about this team. The schedule sets up okay for them to be fine to where we might not know if they're actually any good and if they figured it out until they hit, like, the first week of May, you know? Well, I tell you what, if you have their schedule pulled off, read, read the next four series for me. Read off the next four series. Sure. So it's at Kentucky and then it's um, – Okay. All right. I'm, I'm going to stop you one by one. Is almost better than Kentucky? Yes. Okay. Next. Home against Alabama. Is almost better than Alabama? 
Yes, they are. Okay. At South Carolina. Is it almost better than South Carolina? I think. I, I think, yeah. I think that's the good way to answer it. I think they're better than South Carolina. Mississippi State at home. I, it, I can't. Okay, so it's it's a two-fold question, right? Yeah. It's a two-fold question. Is almost better than Mississippi State? I think so. Can almost beat Mississippi State? No, they never do. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, I, I think – and then it's at Arkansas. They're not better than Arkansas, right? No, now. they're not. But for whatever reason, outside of last year, they just play Arkansas well, especially down there when it's not a super region. Yes, they do, which is very weird. They saved, they somewhat saved their 2017 season there in a very bizarre series that ended at like noon on a Saturday because of rain. No, no, that that is incorrect. It ended at noon on a Friday. Is that what happened? Yeah, they played on Thursday night in a doubleheader on Friday morning because they couldn't right. get because they had to get it in by Saturday and Saturday was, was just drained. Um, yeah. I was at that series. Mike bit my head off after they just took two or three to change their season, if that tells you anything. Um, what did you, you do to piss him off that day? I literally – he, he, there was some SEC country guy there who had beaten me down there, and Mike had started talking to the SEC country guy before. And then he – they had, so they lost the finale. And, they were all yeah. and so he was a little irritated about that. And I asked a couple of questions, and he was like, the other guy just asked me this. I was like, well, Mike, I wasn't standing there. Like, what – what do, you, what do you mean? How am I supposed to know that the guy that you talked to before I'm sitting there? He just he just thinks that all the media members have to left. Yeah, we're we're all robots, so we all share the same audience. Hey, Jesus, I I could I could go for days. Uh, Missouri after that though, they're better than Missouri. Yeah, are they better than LSU at LSU? I think. I don't know. I don't. I mean, speaking speaking of crazy, uh, LSU dropped their first two to A and M, and now has won four straight. Uh, wait, they what they swept Florida this weekend, buddy. I thought they lost the Friday game, did they? I swear, I thought they swept. I think they back ended, I think they lost 7 2. Okay, well, that makes me feel a little, a little better. I, oh, I sure thought they swept it. Point still stands, I yeah. Guess. Um, the hell of a series win at Florida, especially when you consider that they did lose, and I'm sure they did. Um, Friday night, considering you know what happened last weekend, back in that thing in Gainesville. Was a, Pretty impressive feat, um, especially after losing. They did lose on Friday. I'm an idiot. Yeah, especially after losing Louisiana Tech. But your point still stands. That it's a it, it's a, you go through the last Ole Miss eight series. What did we we went through six that they're better than? Excuse me, eight series went four. They're better than two, maybe. And then obviously you you can't you can't objectively say that they're better than Arkansas right now. So the scheduling sets no. up chance like. The you know we talked about them getting a favorable SEC schedule by avoiding Vanderbilt and blah blah blah. It's like well, they, they kind of get screwed getting Tennessee. They did, but I mean, you, the wrong word, but you know what I mean. Yes, you would have. I, I guess the way to put it is, yeah, you would have rather played Vanderbilt, Florida, or Georgia than Tennessee. But you you you'll you'll take playing Tennessee to get Kentucky, Missouri, and South Carolina too. Let's uh let's just roll through that while I have it up before we get out of here. The last couple of series, Arkansas almost sweeps Mizzou. How about Mizzou? They got them a game. Got them a win. Good for them. That is good for them. They are one in five, and don't let them get hot. Um, Arkan Auburn, Texas A and M. A and M wins the Sunday game. Who won Saturday? Honestly, I missed that. I didn't watch any of that. Uh, Auburn won Friday and Sunday. A and M won Saturday. Okay, so they so Auburn takes two or three. Yeah, yeah. So that that's that's the thing that makes you think that Ole Miss is probably going to be okay just from like will they host a regional? Because I don't think Auburn's awful. 
No, I don't think they're awful at all. I think they're a borderline SEC tournament team. And honestly, the like top of them is probably a two seed. I think they're they're okay. Like their yeah. offense is good enough, and they honestly have two pretty decent arms. Um Alabama wins the finale. Credit to them. I, I, I hate to say that Alabama, after being two and four in the league, is showing some toughness. But, I mean, Jesus, they're talking about trying to get Saturday. They screwed oh, up Friday, too. They literally, you could make an argument that they were like five pitches away from sweeping state. And I know it's if, ands, or buts, blah, blah, blah. Congrats to state for kind of getting it done. But they're right there on the threshold. They're a tough club. Yeah. I think Alabama will be fine. I expect them to be in a regional this year again. Um, Kentucky won two or three versus Georgia. They really needed that. They did, especially after losing their Friday guy for the year. Um, yeah, um, lose Friday night and one Saturday and Sunday. Ole Miss will have to play well. Let me be very clear. The effort that was given this weekend will not be enough to win a series in Lexington, um, next weekend. As you just brought up LSU back into the series at Florida, that's uh, that's impressive stuff because I imagine if you're leaving you know, whatever Florida's new stadium ballpark there is on Friday. If you're Jay Johnson, I imagine part of me would be thinking, are, are we any good? Do you do you think that Florida named the field after Kevin O'Sullivan? You know, he's a stand-up guy and all. Did they name the field after him? Uh, no, they didn't. That was a joke. Someone <laughs> – I was just making sure. I thought that was a joke, but I was like, surely not. Someone – uh. I, I'm uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna reach too far here. There was a line in some sort of media outlet, I would say, fairly recently, talking about the character of Kevin O'Sullivan and the history of the program. And I just I, I would just say I collectively rolled my eyes. Um, he would be at LSU if he was a good human being. I think I agree with that line of thinking as well. Um, it's a decent amount of baggage. I had a listener. We talked about this last summer, and I had a listener <laughs> that DNP was like. What's the deal on over Sullivan? And I was just like, not. I can't say. Yeah, exactly. Like I can't really say, but just not great. Let's just say this: um, Kevin O'Sullivan has won a national title, and if for some reason Ole Miss came up in a coaching search, um, I would not want to go down that road. Yeah, I don't think he'd take the job, obviously. But yes, I, I don't think. Uh, what are those background com- checking companies, the ones that, you know, at normal people jobs like me make you piss in the cup? I think they would have red flags all over the place. Um, <laughs> that way. I think that was all the SEC. Oh, South Carolina. Can, yeah, I, one thing. And so, dude, that's another aspect of this as we close the pod here. Um, do you know what happened in South Carolina last weekend? They got swept by Tennessee. Blitzkrieg by Tennessee. And they took yeah. three at home from Kentucky. I think – Again, bad series, bad weekend. People don't want to hear this. Tennessee's really good. They are. They made they made Ole Miss's bad performance look worse than what it was. Absolutely. And look, it's a long season. Things change. You get an injury or two to that lineup, or God forbid, they get one more injury um, on the rotation because they didn't really have to get into their bullpen. Their bullpen wasn't taxed. Other rotation carried them. You know, you could be talking about a different conversation, but as currently constructed right now, that's a really good team. So, yeah, not a ton of support around the uh, SEC. Is there uh, is there anything else we missed? Well, no, no, not from a from a baseball perspective. Uh, Duke and North Carolina in the Final Four—that'll be fun. It's a good weekend of basketball today, as we recorded this on a Sunday night. It was a bad day of basketball. How about yeah, they've never record? They never played in the NCAA tournament. And they're going to play in the Final Four in K's last year. Do you have an early lean on that? Because I kind of like the Tar Heels. 
Yeah, kind of. It, it kind of feels like you know they didn't have any problem ruining his last home game. Might as well just ruin his career, right? Or, or ruin his last game of his career. It has cracked me up how just like, and I get that Twitter's not indicative of real life, but in terms of the social media feed, Duke. It was like, why is everyone anti-K? It's like, is this not the perfect ending for K? Duke has been the most hated college basketball program for years. Is this not just perfect that everyone's rooting against them? I just find it poetic. Uh, I don't. So I have a lot of friends that that maybe hate, like Coach K. I I don't I don't really have that. So, like I don't care. I'm I'm not you know like a Coach K homer, but I, I don't I don't guess I really understand why everyone dislikes him. I guess maybe everyone just dislikes Duke. My best friend in the world is from Cleveland, Mississippi. He grew up a basketball fan. He's one of those guys that adopted Duke as his team. And that said, I love to poke fun at him. I'm not a Coach K hater by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but that said, like, I'm just indifferent on him. I just under, I don't understand. Like, people are like, Coach K, not what he says he is. I'm like, really? The guy with jet black hair at 74 years old is not a straight shooter. Like, congrats, Sherlock. Like, Must be nice to have not adopted Gonzaga because I, I adopted them and I just get my heart broke every year. It's fun. Yeah, that, that's a tough one. And uh, is that window closing? Because that's yes. kind of talent. Yes. It's nuts. It's, that, that can't happen every year. And they love no, it. I mean, they keep recruiting really, really well. But like at some point, look, I'm not. It, and so people are going to say, like, well, you're wanting to fire Mark Hughes. No, I think that would be dumb and stupid. But like at some point, you do have to look like, what the hell happens in the tournament every year, my guy? Yeah, one of those ringer – I was listening to a ringer podcast and it was more NBA draft focused, but one of those guys that watches a lot of college basketball made the point. It's like, look, he's a good coach, but at some point you have to kick down the door when you're there. Like, you're, there's, you know, it's Tom Izzo. There's no guarantee, and at least he got the one ring. There's no guarantee you're going to show up in four national title games. Like, you have to show up – like, you know what I mean? At a certain point, it's like you, you got to put the ring on your finger when you got the chance. Yep, and and I'm not saying fire Mark Few, but it, it, it is a valid question, like, why, why can he have the most talented team and never get it done? Absolutely. This has been College Basketball Corner. Colin Brister, I appreciate the time, as always, my friend. We will uh, we'll be back at it before Kentucky, uh, for better or for worse. All right. Sounds good, my man. All right. That is our show. I appreciate you uh, making it to the end and making us a part of your day and beginning of your week. Um, we'll be back at it on Wednesday, probably with some spring football stuff. Series preview later in the week as Ole Miss heads to Kentucky and uh, all that good stuff going on as it is a uh, busy time in the sports calendar for sure. So we'll be back at it on Wednesday. I appreciate you guys listening as always. And uh, we will catch you here again in a couple of days. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.